0: Please note, this podcast is not suitable for children.
1: We do deal with some really bad people in here. Some, they've done some really, really bad things. But our job here isn't to, to, to judge them here, it's to make sure they're safe.
2: You're listening to Justice, a podcast series exploring all aspects of the criminal justice system with me, prison philanthropist and founder of One Small Thing, Edwina Grosvenor.
0: Could police custody units provide an ideal place for positive intervention to prevent re-offending and offer routes into employment, education and training? This episode is a deep delve into Divert, a relatively new metropolitan police-run initiative working in partnership with charities. It aims to divert young adults aged 18 to 25 away from crime through the offer of support, coaching and mentoring. First, Edwina meets Chief Inspector Jack Rowlands, who heads up Divert. We then visit him at Brixton Police Station to see just how Divert is integrated into day-to-day policing within a custody unit setting.
2: What does Divert actually do? I've heard many great things about it, but um, can you explain to me um, sort of how you got involved with it and, mm-hmm. and the work a bit about the work that it does?
1: So, in essence, Divert is a Metropolitan Police Diversion Programme for young adults. So for 18 to 25-year-olds that come in police custody, we have dedicated coaches that work within six custody suites across London that effectively listen and work with these young people in order to get them away from crime and violence. And effectively into employment education and training so it's a really proactive way of um of, of working with young people and using custody as a bit of a teachable moment
2: okay but how did you get involved in it because i presume you're in the force anyway yeah. and then how did your paths cross well
1: so i, I used to be a safe neighborhood sergeant in brixton and in effect uh when i started uh, on a couple of estates in my ward um, I, I was really keen on getting young people away from crime i'd read up a lot about diversion Uh, Waves' 2000 report, a 2005 report on violence and what to do about it, really gave strong sort of evidence around how diversion into employment could be a real desistance factor in in escaping violence and crime. So um, I started a few programmes, one of which was trying to get young people into beekeeping. Uh, That didn't work, uh, so I moved on very quickly after (laughs) that, Uh, got a lot of... um, a stick and banter from my colleagues uh, what, uh,
2: about the beekeeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Uh,
1: but well, because um, uh, here's me, Sergeant Roland's uh, on an estate in uh, Stockwell. <laughs> uh, you know, arresting gang members, uh, but trying to set up beehives as well and making and, honey. Um, making honey. And the feedback, <laughs> well, the feedback we basically got from the young people was um, it was really, really, really well inten- intended. The uh, community centre leader wanted to get the, buy the beehives. She had a grant, which was great. And I got the young people to go to the, the course, London Beekeepers Association, uh, but the indication to me was on the first day only half turned up and they were stoned. And then on the second day, half of those turned up again and they were even more stoned. And uh, I think the general feedback was they weren't quite suitable, um, even though smoke does quell bees i suppose doesn't it um so we've got a
2: room full of got, people that yeah, the listener room, can't see it, who are it. all trying to <laughs> quell their giggles um
1: so for me it was about just trying something new but the one that really for me really sort of worked was the jobs fairs which for me really got myself into why we do this and um i set up jobs fairs with the local job center plus in the community center opened it up to all the community, but made a real sort of focus on getting young people that were on my radar to the event, and basically literally just putting them in front of employers. So a lot of it was about getting them out of bed and just making sure they were gonna be there. And it worked really, really well, but it was really, really hard work, to the point where it it, it was starting to take up most of my time, trying to arrange the next one. And um, when I moved to Roll, I was literally having a brew in custody with with the the custody sergeants and i just thought why why don't we do something in here because in a nice possible way i don't need to invite anyone to anything because they're already here they're a captive audience in in a nice possible way so for me it was really really important to think how can i connect those young people that come into police custody how can i connect them to the organization's partners i already work with and it was a simple case of just doing it i just was working with A colleague of mine, Amory, who still works on Divert, and I just said, just go in and start speaking to people. And in the first three weeks, we knew it was going to work.
2: And so then what types of um, people were coming in? Mm -hmm. Um, You explained their ages, predominantly young people. Yeah. Um, But what had they done? What were the trends that you were seeing?
1: So I really wanted to focus it around diversion away from violence rather than diversion away from criminal justice, Mm because two of them are two separate things. But they still have the same mission, but for me, I wanted to stop young people from becoming potential victims or perpetrators of violence. So, for me, it's it's the drivers of violence: possession of weapons, possession and supply of drugs, um, the um, uh, some some domestic violence. So, 21-year-old having a fight with his dad gets arrested. The frustration in the house is that he's not getting a job. So, it's how we can use custody as a as a way of mitigating that okay. that risk. Um, but really it was about trying to get young people away from those sort of environments so that we have less violence and crime associated mm. with those people and they're moving away into something more productive
2: yeah so basically you were sort of changing you know i suppose the negative aspect of landing in the custody suite and going right well let's make it a positive landing pad for people and use it as a sort of point of opportunity that's it
1: yeah so i got a lot of sort of not criticism uh, a lot of people first of all didn't really understand what I was trying to do Um, the sort of archetypal custody environment is we arrest people we process them and we we send them off uh, to wherever they They need to go exactly (laughs) So, so for me it was about saying look we already have this environment let's use this in a different way but assign it to appealing principle of preventing crime which is a major part of policing Mm -hmm. and for me it was about slow time cultural change so i accept that not all of my colleagues will support what i do a lot of them say i don't i don't agree with what you're doing but i understand why you're doing it but for me it was about starting to get that benefit to my colleagues. So people, my colleagues would look at it and they go, blimey, you know, we, we spoke to this young chap and now he's got an interview lined up later on this afternoon or later on in the week. And then suddenly sergeants start referring people into the coaches before they've even got into the cell. And then for me, the real crucial part is that feedback loop. So did you know, you know, that guy we spoke to three weeks ago? Yeah, he's now working on a construction site. He's done his wow. CSCS. Wow, blimey. Mm-hmm. So I think the sites we're in get it. And what Uh, sites are you in? So Croydon, Lewisham, uh, Bethnal Green, Stoke-Newington, Wood Green and Brixton. That's it, six. And how
2: many people have been through Divert?
1: So um, since October, um, that's when we've expanded six sites. Uh, We've just worked with our 800th person.
2: Since October 2018.
1: 2018, but I started in 2015, so we're probably well over 1,000 people now. Wow. Um, and, and for me, just under half will get into employment and training okay. and they will stay on it. But also the people that don't get there, we've realised recently the power of having that informal chat in custody yeah. has been really impactive. So people are saying, look, I don't need necessarily to get into employment, but I needed someone to talk to about what was going on in my life. And that's the first time I'd ever been able to do mm. that. So actually, I'm really grateful of it, but I'm going to be all right. And it's about instilling that responsibility, that, 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 that power of taking your own decisions forward and um, basically taking personal responsibility for your own direction.
2: Do certain officers or do all the officers who are involved in Divert mm-hmm. have to be trained a little bit more or because, you know, some people might be very happy.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well.
2: to talk to the young people coming in about Mm. the sort of stresses and strains in their lives but not everyone's really capable of doing that
1: yeah we work with some really good organizations so we work with bounce back new era palace for life foundation mill community trust so all our coaches are not police officers or staff they work for those organizations that we universally train Um, but we we also um acknowledge that it takes a special person to be able to speak to someone in custody at a crucial time and then form that relationship and then work with them once they come out of custody as well.
2: And then what's the sort of vision for the future? I mean, cause you mentioned the places that you're working in and then like a lot of these things, it sounds like an absolute no brainer. So what are the plans to sort of roll it out, take it forward?
1: So we have got five other police um, forces, uh, counties in the UK about to start Divert. So uh, uh, South Yorkshire Police, Thames Valley Police, uh, we've got Lancashire Police, all going to do the Divert model of working alongside a okay. football foundation. So for me, it's about building that sustainability, but crucially, it's about building our sustainability and expanding our work in London. So working with the Home Office that already fund us, trying to have uh, we're having a conversation with Mopac, obviously the Met Police as well, I think the the conversation we want to have is how can we all collaborate? How can yeah, we all... so what a sort
2: of cross funding model yeah. so it's not just one person's budget. Of course, one one person going kind of go. Oh God, yeah. I can't possibly fund all of that. And actually, yeah. it shouldn't just be one person's budget because no. this obviously crosses housing, education, health.
1: That's it. But for me, my ambition would have to have divert as a national program without a doubt. We're being evaluated at the moment by the College of Police, and we're hoping that that will lift our sort of evidence base. But absolutely. My ambition would be to have it as a national program for sure.
2: The people who come into the program—is it predominantly young men? How many young women do you see?
1: So we have about so five percent of um, the people that come into custody are women. So okay, 90- that's representative yeah. of the prison population. Yes, yes. Yeah. So ninety-five percent of people we work with are men, but um, we've 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 achieved some excellent outcomes with 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 young women that that come through custody, and and I think the key message with divert is is we tailor our approach. So we tailor our approach not just to, um, uh, you know, ethnicity or what, what gender you are. We, we tailor our approach to what is going on with you right now. And whatever is going on with you right now, we will tailor our our approach and our action plan so that it suits you. So, um, Very rare. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I, I was really... I've been batting off the sort of temptation to make it really uniform yeah, and prescriptive. Yeah, cookie cutter yeah, for everyone through exactly. the and
2: same thing. Jack- Even though everyone's different and everyone gets in there
1: for a different reason. That's it. Let's wait for them to be arrested a third time. Then we can help them. It's like, no, no, it's just, we've, we've got to just do something now. And so I think what, what's been the strength of Divert is we've kept true to that model. and. Um, I think, fun enough, having a police sort of lead behind it, a police culture behind it is we're very good at getting a job done, and and we don't like bureaucracy. So the last thing I wanted is to make divert bureaucratic, um, because I don't think it helps anyone.
2: So my organisation, one small thing, you know, you came to our conference mm-hmm. in Leeds back in March, and we've done a bit of training with you you know all of our stuff is about trauma yeah. and sort of being gender specific and working with the person in front of you mm-hmm. and the sort of issues that might come from that individual person and of mm-hmm. course it's always different so how much of an impact did that have on you and divert because obviously i'm slightly biased no of course <laughs> about yeah, yeah, it all, yeah, yeah. But
1: yeah a massive impact because i think what was happening we were we were listening to a lot of stories from young people around what's what's happened in their lives and we, we, being the people we are, empathise with it. Um, but the the training that you provided backed up our conscience almost. It backed up, ah, right, that's the reason why I'm feeling like this. That's the reason why I'm connecting and empathising with this young person because this, everyone has got a story to tell. And a lot of it mostly is related to trauma, either from childhood, recently witnessing trauma. And for us, it was about how your work and how your research and the people you're connected with can inform us about what that research base is and and almost to a certain extent some methods around how we can look after ourselves as well. You know from a policing perspective we deal with a lot of trauma as well.
0: Mm, Absolutely. So just how does divert function within a busy police custody unit? We went to find out for ourselves on a field trip to Brixton Police Station.
1: Here's Jack who gives us a personal tour. Welcome to Brixton Custody. So at the moment we are in the The back end, the the hub of Brixton Police Custody Suite, where we've got all my colleagues that um, are here to basically, fundamentally, look after people that come into custody and to make sure that people are fed and watered, that they get their legal privileges, uh, but also are kept safe and are monitored closely by my colleagues so that they themselves don't come to any harm or can harm anyone else. So we've got about um, 15 people in custody at the moment, so there's 40 cells in Brixton police custody and so we've got about 15 people with us at the moment. I'm standing um, behind a colleague at the moment that's got um, about seven or eight CCTV screens. Um, now those CCTV screens basically link to every cell that we've got within the custody suite, plus all the coverings around the um, corridors and entrances. And, and they are there primarily to make sure that people don't come to harm. So I personally have, have helped people that have been self-harming because they've been identified on the CCTV as doing so. But at the same time, I've also come to the assistance of colleagues that are being attacked by people that are in custody. And that's come from the CCTV too. So really, really important tool to keep people safe. At the same time, my colleague's got a, a bit of a, a, an interactive screen in the telephone. They're linked up to the cells, and my colleague's just talking to someone in one of the cells now, most likely wanting to make a phone call or, or talk to the officer about what's going on. And it um, sounds at the moment that this person is withdrawing, so we will get them some form of medical care in the custody suite we've got 24-7 medical care in the form of um, nurses um, and liaison and diversion mental health nurses as well so really in terms of custody suites it's it's a very safe place to be you will be looked after what i'll do is i'll just take you out to the front one of our colleagues who's a who's a nurse who's based here she's working really closely with us to just look at someone who's in, in custody at the moment so I think this relates to the gentleman that was potentially withdrawing a minute ago. So she'll come in, make an assessment, if needs be, administer some medication, um, but also review that person's attention. Are they still suitable? Are they still well enough to be in here? Um, is there anything we can do to make them more comfortable? But fundamentally, yeah, it's to, it's to make sure that they're OK. So, in essence, obviously, custody sweet getting on with its day Um, and we never say the q word in here okay which is opposite of busy but at the moment it's ticking over we're dealing with about 10,000 people a year coming through Brixton alone Um, I would say uh, per day it can be anything from one or two to 40 but at the same time you can have 40 people in here and everything's ticking over or you can have six people in here and every single one of them is really, really hard work. Every single one of them really needs some some, some measures in place, and that can be just as stressful sometimes as having 40 people in here. So um, when someone is brought in, they're put in front of uh, one of my colleagues, DDO or, or Skipper, really in-depth risk assessment, m- mainly to obviously authorise their detention, ensure the arrest was lawful, but really go into detail about where they are at this very moment in time. We'll have a bit of previous knowledge if they've come into custody before, but this is about triage, about risk. This is about triaging the person's immediate needs. So, for instance, they could they come in front of my colleague here now and say, actually, um, I've got a heart condition. Uh, three, three days ago I was diagnosed with it. What medication are you taking? I'm not anymore. Um, okay, risk goes up. Uh, I'm diabetic you know people don't really manage their diabetes as much when they come in here or actually the most for me the most dangerous one I'm, I'm about to start withdrawing from alcohol alcohol withdrawal is so much more dangerous than withdrawing from drugs so if you're withdrawing from heroin if you're withdrawing from crack it's really horrible I mean not a, it really really uncomfortable and distressing but it's not going to kill you if you withdraw from alcohol it will kill you because the body's makeup is such that if you're an alcoholic, you're using alcohol as a primary energy source. Your body customises itself to using alcohol as sole fuel. So if you, stop, if you stop receiving alcohol, your body starts breaking proteins down. So you know when you see alcoholics are really thin, it's not because they're, they're not eating, it's actually because alcohol is, is, is their primary source of energy and when they don't have alcohol, the body effectively eats itself. And what happens is when your body doesn't get that energy source, it panics. So it starts eating proteins that are, that are keeping your liver going, your heart going, your kidneys going. So for us, what we used to do is when we had doctors here, the doctor would actually prescribe a can of cider to our detainee because that, a cup of cider was the immediate medication that just took the edge off. But really for us, it's about if you don't have medication, it's straight to hospital. Because you could die straight away. You could die. You could die within three or four hours. Seriously, yeah. Your body will shut down that quick. So we we'll just move out of the way here. because We've got someone coming into custody now. You're listening to Justice with Edwina Grovner. One
0: size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
3: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare.
1: and we're just going down one of the corridors that helps to triage people, basically, when they first come into custody. So um, here we have our, um, <clears throat> our fingerprint, photo and uh, DNA room, as it were. So here is a, is a routine environment that we use in custody to take fingerprints, photographs and DNA. It's something that we do to everyone that comes into custody. Um, what we like to do when we come here is ensure that it's very calm no, you know, I've had to take fingerprints from people that don't want their fingerprints taken it's really really hard work so you want to be able to do this procedure in a very quiet very very sort of um, uh, relaxed way you'll notice that it is really quiet in here and apart from my voice this is how loud we want it in here by the time someone comes and has their photograph taken, we want it to be conversational we don't we don't we don't want to be having to ask people to have their photograph taken because it's an environment you don't want to be um, having conflict in so um when that happens, if they do need to see um the nurse, we have a dedicated bay here if you look it's very similar to the doctor's surgery, very similar to um minor injury sort of room that you have bar hospital it's pretty pretty damn close to having a complete triage of someone's needs custody like policing in general can be really really dangerous really really fraught with hazards um one of the more recent sort of incidents that went wrong was a colleague of mine was getting strangled in custody pressed the pressed the panic strip i ran down the corridor and by the time i'd ran there the my colleague had stopped trying to fight him. My colleague was trying to uh, desperately get some air, some, you know, clear that airway. And I obviously I used reasonable force to get him off him. But if it wasn't for the panic strip, we would have had to rely on our colleague looking at CCTV. Um, but if that does go off, you'll see cops, you'll see my colleagues vaulting the desks and running down the corridor. Um, and um, it's just in order to protect people. Um, we do deal with some really bad people in here some, They've done some really, really bad things But our job here isn't to, to to judge them here It's to make sure they're safe It's to make sure that actually Yeah, they may have done that But at this very moment in time They're, in a, they're, in not, they're not in a great place So let's make sure that we can help mitigate that So for 10 to 18 year olds So, well, 10 to 17 and a halfs um, we are governed by Police and Criminal Evidence Act. So we have special um, arrangements for juveniles and children that come into custody. So in effect, if you're a child that's brought into custody, uh, you you need an appropriate adult. So you need um, someone that's um, an adult who is going to make sure and chaperone you to make sure that your rights are adhered to, that, that you're looked after properly, but also to reassure you and to, to be there just a sort of mitigate what can be quite a, um, an alien environment. Um, I think that again, the balance is, we do get some children in here, 14 year olds, 13 year olds that have done some really really bad things, really some violent things. So, so for me, it's, it is something that we need to bear in mind that some children do commit really violent acts. Some children commit some really heinous sexual offences but I think the message I always give to to people is 99.9% of children in this country are good children we get a lot of traumatised children in this in this environment and again even though they may have done those serious offences when you start understanding their background and you start understanding where they've come from in terms of from the ages of four or five they haven't had a mum and dad they've been in a cycle of care or they may have been abused and neglected as children, you don't condone necessarily what they've done, but you understand it. And the people working in that custody suite are sure switched on to that. I think I think um, what what I get most concerned about is when I get children in here that don't talk, that are, are mute almost, who may have stabbed someone. Some may be dead as a result of them stabbing someone, but you're looking at them and it's it appears they're not bothered for me that's my that's more alarming sometimes than someone kicking off because for me it's the inner it's the inner sanctum of they've either got no empathy or they're so accustomed to violence that it just hasn't triggered them and um it's really hard to i'm not sure if i'm doing it but it's really really hard to get that message over that we deal with some really serious stuff in here we deal with some really serious complex people that haven't just walked off the street and decided to stab someone there is something in their life there's there's something in their story that's led them to this point i'll tell you what let's walk down here this is um so this is um these aren't our conventional cells these are are what they call our our constant watch cells so um these cells are specifically designed to effectively safeguard people that are really vulnerable we've got the option of keeping the door open here to to make sure we if they're if they're violent that we've got at least perspex to look through um but a cell unfortunately is that's exactly what it is it's quite sterile but it's it is actually as safe as you can make it without putting loads of padding on. Um, This is where someone will spend, on average, about 13, 14 hours whilst they're in police custody. So from a divert perspective, people reflect in here. People generally think about what's going on in their life. They think about the fact that either their life is done, that's it now, there's no point, or they actually think, um, I'm terrified and... There's, no, there's now no hope. So that's where Divert really kicks in, is, is Angel will, will, will come and approach people at that state, in that state of mind. Mm. I'll give Angel a little bit of an intro. So Angel used to be a Met Police volunteer, so he came very early doors onto the programme for Divert in terms of working on it. And now Angel works full-time at Brixton as a paid member of staff. And <clears throat> I'll embarrass him slightly, but Angel really does, he really does set the standard for how we like to work with young people. So he is exceptionally tireless in not only his commitment to young people, but commitment to the programme. And he has helped hundreds of people in, in his work so far. And more importantly, he has helped them to genuinely change the direction of their life. He's helped them to not come back into custody. He's helped them to stay away from violence, keep themselves and their families safe, but more so, actually, in the nice possible way, set them up so that they don't ever see him again. And I, I mean that in the, in, the, in, the, in the nicest way possible. So, Angel, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do, mate?
3: Initially, I joined the programme as a volunteer, and since then I've been coming in, speaking to young people, and the way I look at it, when young people are in custody, they cry not for help. And the last thing they expect is to, for someone to come in and offer them help and, you know, become a friend and build a relationship. So while they're here, I will, you know, listen to them, you know, listen to their interest, you know, their previous work experience, the educational background, uh, the situation at home with parents, with friends. What is it that prevented them from reaching the potential? And we work on an action plan. Once they leave the custody, that's when the actual work begins you know i'll be on the phone chasing them up you know calling the mom calling the dad look i spoke to his son he was in custody you know i've got this in plan for him you know we need to go um, speak to this program or construction or whether it's music program it's this drama course wherever it is that the young person is passionate about i will try to steer them in that direction so that's what it is it's about linking young people with the opportunities i sort of look at myself as the bridge in between custody and, you know, the potential the young person can reach. I've had a young person um, who was in custody. Uh, the only thing he was interested in was music. And as he, him as a, being a dr- um, drummer, that's the only thing he wanted to do. And for me, that's quite a challenge because that's quite specific. You know, usually there's lots of different opportunities in whatever construction, retail, catering, but with drama and music, how to go out there and, it will be over research, so it took me a couple of months to actually find a program for him. When I did find the program, it was a 12 weeks uh, program by GRID school uh, for residents of Lambeth. So what do you do? You go in three times a week, uh, you get studio time, you get to record uh, an album, you get to work with other young people and sort of you know come together in collaboration and create this album. And then in the end you get to perform um, at the Brixton um, Town Hall. And it was quite nice to see him, you know, develop from, you know, just going from custody, being quite depressed and unhappy, you know, he got got arrested for possession of offensive weapon and just the whole story, you know, I could see how it depressed him and he just didn't want to be associated with that. Uh, It took time for me to find a program, but now that I've seen the result of it and how happy he is, and he's been involved um, with BBC as well, he's been working with uh, Snoop Dogg, and other artists just from building connections from that program alone. He's actually been nominated for an award just a few days ago. Uh, it's like um, some music award, you know, is going to be happening in Battersea in a few weeks time. And he's been invited to come with his family uh, just for his music because he's quite a talented in drama. Since then, you know, there's been, you know, radios that want to speak to him, you know, GQ magazines that want to come and interview him. So. For him, his publicity has jumped as well. And he personally, he called me and said, Angel, thank you for doing this. I've now I've got so many contacts and his music is just developing and growing.
0: So is Divert working? The short answer is yes. Over 1,000 young people have been through the Divert programme so far and the reoffending rate for those who have is less than half of what London reoffending rates are currently. In this final segment, Edwina meets Paul, a 17-year-old London boy who's benefited from the Divert programme.
2: So, Paul, how did you come across Divert?
4: Um, I first came across them after my um, my community sentence um, because of an offence I obviously did. So, my yacht worker, Rahima, she asked Your me. Your yacht
2: worker, the youth offenders yeah. team. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
4: She she obviously she asked me what I wanted to do after like obviously after my events, after my offence because I wasn't in school at the time. So. I've told her just like, I just want to do music. Music's my passion, and that's just what I want to do in my life. So she wanted to help me, like, figure out a way to start, like, just to boost me to start doing something in music. So she referred me to Angel. Who So we got into, in contact with each other. We spoke. He, like, asked me a few questions, asked me about any opportunities. And he, one particular opportunity he asked me to do, or like, I had had for me. It was the grit school, and the grit school obviously, like it was this like program where loads of young musicians just come together and just make music and put on a show and all of that stuff. So, yeah, we did that, and Angel came to the performance or whatever, and like we just keep in contact. With anything that, like he can do to help me with my career path, that's what he does.
2: So what are some of the good things that have happened since May?
4: After the group School performance that we did, um there was a few like reporters and like just a few A and Rs and musicians there and there was one particular reporter, his name was Kieran and he works for GQ magazine. So he just thought like he loved my performance or whatever, loved what we did. And he just like interviewed me. We had an interview, spoke on the phone and like I was on the front page of GQ like within two weeks of that that show if that makes sense which was mad to me because wow. all my favourite rappers and stuff on that yeah. are in that magazine and stuff So also there was a friend from the grit school actually who was both on the course her name is Dami Lola she she entered a competition in Lambeth and like if you won the competition you was able to do the main stage in Brokaw Park at like a crazy festival and Shaka Khan was headlining and I was mad like there was loads of people there, and she asked me to play for her on that thing. Oh, wow.
2: And so life before May was a bit more tricky. Yeah. So now do you feel like sort of all your spare time is now being taken up with the music, and sort of if you think about before May and after May. What do you feel is there the difference now?
4: I think the difference for me personally, I'd, I'd say like, because I have more things to do, like I'm doing more positive things, so I don't have time to think about wasting my time doing something silly outside or anything like that. So it's more literally just, I have things to do now. And it's what I want to do, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Links relevant to this episode can be found in the pod notes below. If you enjoyed listening, we would love it if you would subscribe. Also rate, review, and best of all, share this episode. Justice is co-produced for One Small Thing by the London Podcast Company and Pencil Agency. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?